Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. Right now, I'm not so afraid to engage in this situation because I'm really just trying to understand what's really going on, right? Until... Not, and withhold my own judgment and my own assessment of the situation. Let me just see things through his eyes, right? When you develop a greater level of empathy and curiosity, um, you're able to draw things out that are more relevant and useful, ideally. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Jerry Fu. He's a conflict resolution coach, and we discuss all things, you can guess it, conflict resolution. So as someone who grew up conflict diverse, Jerry had to learn how to master, how to have difficult conversations and become a leader in his career. This conversation is so tactical and he shares so many real life examples of conflict situations and how to best deal with them. And I think uh, we obviously all deal with conflict in our lives. And I think for so many of us, we really have no idea how to handle it the best we can. Either we are like super scared to deal with it and we just kind of shy away in general or we come off overly aggressive. And it's just really hard to know the right way to handle things like this. So this, I just got so much out of this conversation. And I know that you will too. We chat about why it's important to be proactive with your expectations for others, when it's worth having a discussion versus just letting it go the five-step framework to tackling any difficult conversation, the best approach to take if you're conflict diverse, the do's and don'ts of difficult conversations, and the secret to getting closure for yourself when you can't get it from that other person. So again, you guys are going to get so much out of this conversation. You can connect with Jerry and work with him on coaching for specific issues as well. And he also offers a free consultation. So I definitely recommend checking out his website at adaptingleaders.com. All of that information will be in the show notes. And he also has a free guide with that five-step framework that we discuss in the episode. So I definitely recommend downloading that if you are dealing with anything in your life where it could be useful. And honestly, I'm sure most of us are, whether it's in our personal lives or at work or whatever that may be. And of course, if you are looking for support in your health journey and you want to reduce inflammation clear your skin, regain your energy, I mean, really just become the most vibrant version of yourself, I would absolutely love to work with you and help you on that journey. And you can click the link in the show notes to learn about one-on-one coaching and set up a free consultation with me. There is no obligation to sign up. I would absolutely love to chat with you about your health goals. So with all that being said, let's jump into the episode. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic because it is something that is part of all of our lives, but most of us aren't good at dealing with it. And that is conflict. So I would love for you to just kind of kick it off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to doing what you do now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this topic, whether I like it or not, whether I chose it or it chose me, (laughs) it's, uh, it's still part of my life, but happy to help. So yes, part of the background is that growing up in an immigrant home, right. Uh, 
we tend to be very conflict averse because number one, there's a lot of external stress, right? There's a lot of racism, a lot of disparaging remarks, and we're just trying to mind our own business. And we just say, hey, you know what? These fights aren't worth our time to pick and we're going to get exhausted. So we're just going to have to kind of forgive. And even if we don't forgive, like we just, it's just better off just to kind of let that brush off as best we can and mind our own business, right? But there's only so much that can do uh, from a helpful standpoint, right? Because at some point you're going to want to start fighting back, but you don't know how because you never, your culture never tells you how to do that. Because if you are under someone else's authority, like your parents, right? You're just not even supposed to question that. You're not even allowed to ask why. It's just, no, I, I know what's best for you. This is my house. And so between uh, like deference to authority and also an aversion to conflict, right? You just build up a lot of frustration. And so I started to notice that. Uh, you know, with my mom and with my dad, because when, you know, they wanted to challenge me in a good way, right, to say, hey, you know, we want to make sure your academics are strong, we want to make sure, but then there would be certain fights and certain things, certain situations that I realized this conflict aversion was not healthy, but it's what we're used to, so we kind of defer to it. And so the first example I'll walk people through is when in college, uh, a friend of mine uh, happened to be in town and said, hey, you know, can I stay a couple of days? Uh, and, you know, I run it by my mom and she goes, oh, yeah, you know, Gary can come over and hang out for a couple of days. It's like, OK, so far, no problems. So Gary comes over, we hang out, we have a good time. And Gary's kind of a carefree guy. And so kind of unaware of some of the hidden un unspoken expectations about hospitality and and visiting that Asians have, even though he is Asian. Uh, but grew up here. So again, not to disparage him, but this is the kind of like cultural tripwires that people, you know, hit unintentionally and then well, whether they like it or not deal with the consequences. And so what I'm getting to is this climax where, you know, Gary leaves and we're like, Hey, bye, you know, see you next time. As soon as he leaves, my mom's like, can you believe this guy? Like he didn't even make his bed. He left hair in the shower. Like, you know, he's a fun guy. I just wouldn't invite him over again. And this is how we dealt with situations that didn't go our way, right? As opposed to a more proactive approach to say, hey, you know, we love having guests over and the way that uh, they stay on good terms is to make sure that they leave their, you know, place better than they found it or as if it were untouched, you know, not super clean so that, you know, you make it as easy as possible on the host, right? And so I wouldn't have been able to tell you like a better way of doing it until I thought about it many, many years later to say, hey, you know what? You can't just keep cutting people out of your life just because they secretly, you know, didn't meet your expectations. You're going to be a pretty lonely person. But this is the trajectory that we're heading toward to say, well, who can I trust? Right. And it's like, did you even give them a chance to meet your expectations? Like, well, no, it's just like, so what is this that exactly do you just want to feel indignant that, you know, people wronged you again and again? Like, what is this amount to accomplish? Right. So this is the kind of conflict aversion uh, tone that I, I've seen modeled for me and that I begin to, uh, model for myself because I myself, you know, am in, uh, I was an approval addict for several years, many years. In fact, I'm still recovering and I fall back into bad habits, right? <laughs> and so anytime someone was upset with me, even if I had a legitimate reason to stand my ground and get them to back off, I would just still give in because I just said, well, you know, I'm bad at conflict. I just need to run from it, just give in and just, you know, not cause any problems, but that doesn't work well, right? And so you overlay situations like being in chain pharmacy where patients are irate, they want you to do things you don't think are reasonable, you try to say no, they just go to the supervisor, they say, hey, I'm not, it's not worth this headache, just give them what they want, we can't lose their money, right? And so 
I'm sitting in here, you know, early on in my pharmacy career, wondering if I'm ever going to have a spine because I'm just like, I can't, I've for some reason made it up in my mind to think that I'm not allowed to, you know, have arguments with friends over things that I think are important and, you know, or yeah, I'm dealing with things at work to say, oh no, don't do that because we, we can't afford to lose their business. So it's this two pronged approach that made me at some point where I realized this isn't working anymore. And so I say that to get to kind of like my current status where, you know, when I got sick of dealing with customer service incidents in chain pharmacy, I said, okay, I'm going to look for another job because I thought, you know, let me just find a healthier environment. And that helped up until I took this job in Houston with a a teaching job with the pharmacy consulting company. I thought all my problems would be solved, right? Oh, I'm so glad I'm not in retail chain pharmacy anymore. Now I can actually be with a company that I actually feel like I'm excited to move uh, with. And 11 months later, I got fired because I just wasn't getting the job done. And I kept making excuses. And I just said, well, you know, they should understand. If I tell a good enough story, they should understand why I'm not getting the job done, which doesn't work ever because no successful company is built on stories as to why they didn't succeed. They were built on results, which I did not appreciate until I had to become a boss and I had to hear the same things I was saying before I got fired. (laughs) And so that's part of it because you realize, yeah, in leadership, if you don't like conflict or you don't like dealing with conflict, you're not going to succeed as a leader because half the time as a leader, what they don't tell you, right, is that you have to make very unpopular, difficult decisions uh, if you expect to survive. And if you do not do that, uh, it doesn't work. So <clears throat> part of the challenge, right, I get fired from this job. I, I roll into another job where four of my paychecks bounce, filling for crooked doctors. And now how do I confront the boss that's clearly ripping me off, right? Here's a, here's a fun tangent. I was sending my checks home because I didn't have a local bank account. So when the first check bounced, my boss owned up to it. Hey, sorry, something happened. Uh, we'll, we'll make it up for you in cash. It's like, you know, that's weird, but okay. But then two, three, and four bounce, right? And then it's like, okay. And then what's even funnier is I asked my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, like, did you know these checks were bouncing? And she's like, yeah, I was just too afraid to tell you. It's like, like... <laughs> And so this is where conflict aversion starts to go off the rails, right? You're just like, I can't afford to tell him this bad news because I don't want him to suffer. I'm just like, no, I can't pay for my groceries because I'm paying, I'm buying that with money I don't actually have, right? Like you learn quickly, like the quick, the best way to deal with bad news is to deal with it quickly, not to just hide it because hiding bad news doesn't hide the consequence of bad news, right? And so that's what we're dealing with. And so uh, thankfully, after I got out of that company with my friend's help, uh, got into another company that they said, hey, we like you, but we can't pay you more than eight hours a week. I was like, okay, well, you know, that's uh, kind of a tough spot to be in. So I moved temporarily to Austin, which is about two and a half hours away to get more hours with the same company. Not the worst place to end up, but, you know, still not home. And so that summer, this was 10 years ago now, that summer was key because um, some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, uh, we need a facilitator and we know you've been helping out on the fraternity side, but we need your help on the leadership side for our next national meeting. Can you help out? And I said, yep, I'll clear out my schedule. I'll come help. And so teaching leadership started to maybe shift my thinking a little bit to say, you know, before I said, oh, leadership is hard. I'm not good at these conversations. Let me just avoid them because I hate feeling incompetent. I hate embarrassing myself by feeling like I'm struggling or failing at this. But now I was asking myself, what if I could be a good leader? And so um, came back all fired up, right? And so that fall, a uh, full-time manager position opened up in Houston and I loved my Austin team, but I said, you know what? I need to 
take on this challenge. I can't be scared of this. I want to come home. So I come home and I very short, short-sighted, like thinking, oh, I'm finally back home. I can settle down again. I proceed to get written up the following year because my technicians are not pulling their weight and I'm not disciplining them or firing them. And management said, this is a problem. That Their behavior is a problem and your passivity is a problem. You need to deal with this. So again, eating more humble pie. And the crazy thing is that right as the company had its funding pulled around the time I got our probation, uh, don't like I had to look for another job, right? So it's like, great, got out of the doghouse, but I still need to <laughs> find other employment. The only reason I get an interview at my next job is that uh, I had leadership experience on my resume. And I said, wow, you know, leadership saved my career. So, you know, that was good. Up until these jobs that I was getting, I was getting more options, but they still weren't lasting very long, maybe one or two years at best, because their business models just didn't sort of stack up against chain pharmacies and insurance problems and things like that. And so about five years ago, when my previous employer went under, I said, well, you know, I'm tired of dealing with these insurance companies, tired of uh, chasing scripts, but I love people development. What if I tried to make a career out of, you know, coaching or facilitating? Still very scared of feeling rejection, right? And so it's more of a hobby than anything else. But then, you know, the pandemic hit and then, you know, thankful for my pharmacy job to help pay my bills during the pandemic. But I knew long term, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. So October 2020 said, OK, when am I going to make this dream a reality? Filed the LLC, got the website up, opened the bank account, um, you know, try, struggle, fail. Niche down to conflict resolution because I realized any like there's so many leadership coaches out there. Right. But. What if I became a conflict resolution coach uh, specific to Asian professionals because I have a heart for I know what kind of conversations they're probably avoiding as well. And so that's the, the wavy long journey to what I'm currently doing and how I have to take my own advice, even as I'm coaching other people, right? Because if I don't follow my own advice, then I have to tolerate a subpar work team because I didn't have the courage or the compassion to share my expectations. So that is the long and winding journey. Oh, I love that. And I feel like it's so relatable in the sense of, because it's kind of making me wonder, because it seems like obviously work was kind of your turning point in terms of like, mm. I got to figure out how to have conflicts with people in a healthy way. I feel like for most people, do you find that they have a really hard time overcoming things in their personal relationships? And then it's kind of like something like a work situation maybe is what forces their hand. Or what do you think for most people is when they're like, I need to figure out this conflict resolution thing because I can't take this anymore. Oh, that's a great, great um, flashlight like issued a spotlight because yeah, what is the catalyst, right? Do you have a drunk uncle at every Christmas party that you know tells you what you think your life should be? You're just kind of like, ugh, you know, I only see this guy once a year. Do I just let him have a soapbox and then move on? Or is it a more proximal family relationship where, you know, you have a cousin who you hang out with on a regular basis and all of a sudden you're saying, you know what, this relationship is toxic and I need to deal with it. So I'll give an example um, because yeah, like this is what we're, this is the, where the money is, right? So, um, and this is, this story doesn't end as well, but there are a lot of great lessons for it because there was a friend I grew up with and in high school, we were good friends. We were both on healthcare tracks, right? He was wanted to be pre-med and, you know, I was at the time pre-med and we just, you know, we clicked on so many levels. So the crazy thing is, is after I pivoted to pharmacy, uh, you know, he happened to be in the same city for med school. And for some reason, he started picking up some really annoying habits. 
I would say something like this. I would say, we'll call him Frank. I said, hey, Frank, you know, there's a basketball game coming up. We're getting tickets together. Do you want one, right? Do you want to go to this one? And I guess partly to save face, right? He just was like, oh, Jerry, you know, I'd love to. I don't know what my schedule's like, but maybe maybe it'll work out. And so me being, I guess, foolishly or naively optimistic, I would go ahead and buy him an extra ticket to say, hey, you know what? If, you know, I want Frank to be there. Uh, but then he didn't show up, right? And then I... I go back to him. I try to confront him. Hey, man, you know, we bought you a ticket because you I, I was under the impression you were actually going to try to show up. Oh, well, you know, I didn't actually promise this. And I just thought to myself, OK, this is this. I can give you the benefit of the doubt once. But then after that, I'd rather you just set an appropriate expectation from the start. Right. I just say, you know what? You know, like, don't worry about it. I, I, I can't promise that I'll be there. So I'd rather not get your hopes up. Right. I would rather him say something like that or. You know, for people that kind of have this habitual, like false optimism, you know, false hope thing, you just set a tripwire for yourself to say, okay, man, hey, look, I understand you're busy. And if you do, if I don't have your money by the time I buy tickets, like tomorrow, I'm just going to assume you're not going to go, right? You kind of engineer out that flaw. And, you know, these were, but I didn't know how to confront him on it at the time, right? And then after enough of these times where it was just like false hope, that was, but me being conflict averse, right? I didn't know how to call him on it in a way that would actually save the friendship. I just said, you know what? I'm just tired of this friendship. I just, I think I'm just going to let it kind of pocket veto and drift away. And then he would call me later. Hey man, like I haven't heard from you in a while. Like, why haven't we hung out? I'm just like, I don't know how to tell you that I don't like your habits anymore. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't want to be in that position again. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be so bold as to like burn a bridge necessarily. Some people like they need that kind of closure. And if you want to do that, that's fine. Like, you know, just to say, hey, look, this this needs to stop. Um, other people, it's OK to just kind of, you know, let things drift. And I'm not saying that to be passive. Just make it up in your own mind because no one can force your hand on that to say, no, like we should still be friends. It's like that's that's not a healthy statement. You should definitely leave that friendship if that's the case. But um, yeah. All right. These are. So for me, right, it was a combination of both, right? There were personal relationships that were not constructive. There was work stress that definitely wasn't constructive. And I think work and thinking this out loud with you, work probably is the bigger stressor because if you do not handle your work conflict, you may not have your paycheck any longer, right? And that's, a, that's, a, that's some skin in the game, right? There are some real stakes there. It's one thing if you just have personal conflict. If it's a friendship, you have enough distance for sure. If it's a family relationship, yeah, you're like you have this catalyst like right by here that you can't ignore. Okay, that's probably going to help you as well. But yeah, paychecks, when paychecks are at stake, that's probably uh, the catalyst for a lot of people. Yeah, I figured that makes sense. And then yeah. also what you were saying, which is something that I wanted to touch on too, is like yeah. when, when it's worth the conflict mm -hmm. and when to know to let it go. Because mm -hmm. I think we all have those relationships with people where you just are, and again, you know, you're making it up from your perspective and you're not necessarily giving them the chance. Maybe sometimes you are, but you just know they're not going to see your side kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you kind of have ways that you know that do you always put it out there and give them one chance? Like kind of how do you handle those relationships, especially when they are like, let's say they're with a sister-in-law. <laughs> I might be going through something like that. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Let's, you know, nothing better than real case studies to give yeah. real advice and real encouragement for. So yeah, I mean, part of it is, yeah, check your own tolerance, right? Just to say, hey, you know, what can I, what can I handle, right? Say, you know, this friend, yeah, he's fun, kind of annoying, right? And we just say, but I only see him like once a month, if that, 
okay, you know, I can, I can put up with that and then give myself some recovery time. If it's, if it's someone closer, right, maybe you just say, hey, you know what, I still see the good in this person. Maybe, you know, there are things to appreciate about your sister-in-law, hypothetically, right? <laughs> no names. Like, maybe we say, yeah, you know, there are things I appreciate about her. Maybe I'm willing to have a conversation to say, hey, you know what, this is how we can have a really strong relationship. Here are the topics that I'm willing to discuss with you. Here are the topics that I've noticed that we seem to have a lot of friction on, and I'd rather just not address this. Is that okay? And now it's less of a, like, this is the boundary and you need to respect it as opposed to, hey, what do you like about this relationship? What do I like about this relationship? Where does that overlap? And how can we have more of what we both like and less of what we both don't like, right? Um, I think when you invite that collaboration, people realize, hey, I'm giving this person dignity, even if they, even if I don't respect them, right? And that's okay. Like, like that's the, that's the goal, right? Like, I, I love the phrase, love your enemies, because you don't hear that very often. But in this case, in a way, you, this is the best approach to take. Say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to love this person. And if I love this person, it will maybe take one difficult or awkward conversation to set a good precedent to say, is this worth this? To say, hey, maybe I could actually have a relationship where we actually enjoy being around each other. Are we both willing to work toward that? Okay, yeah, I'd be willing to do that, right? And so, yeah, for those cases, maybe there's this middle ground to say, hey, you know what? I could tolerate her, right? If I only see her like twice a year, but since I have to see her on a, like a weekly or a daily basis, okay, now I'm going to have to have some productive discussion in a way that shows that I actually am acting in her interest as well as my own. Yes. I love that tip because I feel like a lot of times when we're entering into a conflict with people, we're obviously coming at it from our side. And when you're like argumentative or kind of, again, like looking at it from your interest, just explaining your side, all that stuff, which is the way most of us walk into a conversation like that, the other person just immediately feels attacked. Whereas if you're kind of like, I'm sure you have these feelings that you're having too. What if we can meet in this middle ground? It's like such a better language and just better communication that's already putting them at ease because you're it's sort of like admitting you're wrong coming in a little bit and like it's a give and take situation without Mm. necessarily ever saying you're wrong (laughs) yeah 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 that's the key right it's more of a and it takes like Carnegie's like steps one step further right so it's not just about oh let the other person say face it's like oh like you don't maybe there's a way to get your point across in such a way for them to consider it uh so that and they don't see it as, oh, now I have to kind of, I'm on my heels and I got to dig in. Maybe it's just to say, hey, you know what? I really want to know what you think this relationship could be in a way where we both feel respected and appreciated. You know, what are your thoughts, right? It's very hard to get mad at somebody who asks for your opinion on something. And it's also a very dangerous sales tactic. And you're just like, okay, how much did this person really, you know, invested in me, right? If they're going to ask that kind of question. But in this case, right, when you know it's not, there's no business transaction on that stake, it's just more about, hey, I just really want to get to a point where I look forward to being around you. Um, And, you know, politics seems to always be, you know, a topic that never seems to leave a a good taste in our mouths. Can we just stop talking about it, right? If you're not going to change your mind, and I'm not going to change my mind, like, what's the point in trying to, like, bring it up anymore, right? And let them decide, say, hey, you know, can we please, would you be okay if we didn't talk about politics anymore? And they say, no, I think we need to talk about these issues. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, what if I'm still not willing to engage or what if my energy and time are better spent on other things? Would you be willing to respect that, right? And now it's a very gentle request, a very humble inquiry, if you might, 
instead of, uh, hey, you need to stop this. Yeah. And I think too, like with all of these examples, like with what you just said, and even with the first example with Gary, where there was these expectations and he doesn't necessarily know them. I think we're often scared to say those things and set those expectations, A, because we just imagine everyone's supposed to read our mind, but B, (laughs) because like, what if Gary's response would be like, well, that's irrational. I'm not going to, you know, like, I think Mm -hmm. we're all scared of the person then being like, well, I'm not going to do that. Or you're crazy for saying that out loud or like. So like kind of what is your response to people who are thinking like, yeah, I do want to set that boundary or that expectation or say that to that person, but I'm scared mm-hmm. they're going to be like, well, I don't have to do that. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. it would cause a conflict <laughs> that then yeah. they know how to bounce, like what the next step in that conversation would be. Yeah, no, happy to unpack. Cause again, like I've dealt with this, I'll be happy to throw in another example, right? Had a really, really bad roommate for about a year and a half. I never appreciated solitude until I roomed with this guy. Like that's how bad it was, right? To, ki- to give you an illustration of just what frustrated me, right? At one point I was out of town. I come back after like a week. It's a two bedroom, two bath apartment. So we have our own space. I come back, I go into my bathroom and he has peed in the toilet and not flushed it. And it's like, what are you trying to accomplish exactly? Oh. Like, are you just like a dog marking your territory? Like, I don't even know. Like, you can use my bathroom. Just leave it better than when you found it, right? And it's as if I don't know, I don't know. But you have your own bathroom. You know, I don't understand what you're trying to accomplish by doing this, right? And so, yeah. And even worse is when I tried to address it with him. I was just afraid that he was just going to double down on his passive aggressive activity. And he did. So yeah, worst case scenario, here's the thing, guys. I can say this in hindsight. If you're going to have a falling out, go down swinging. <laughs> you know, at least speak your mind and just say, you know what? If we're going to have a falling out, at least he knows exactly why I was upset with him, right? And I would say something like this. If I could say it to him now, right? If we're in that moment, I would just be like, hey, look, man, like why... Oh, what are the reasons for you doing this? Like, what are you trying to accomplish, right? I'm just, try- I'm just trying to be curious. Like, help me understand what you're trying to do by doing this, right? Because in my mind, it makes sense that you would just use your own bathroom, mind your own business. Like, I use my bathroom. If yours is clogged, sure, you know, just ask me to use mine. I'm not, I'm not so stingy that I wouldn't help you in the situation. But, like, what are you trying to do, right? And to come back to, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier, how can we be the best roommates that we can be for each other, right? What do you think is fair? Is it okay for you to just come in and use my bathroom how you want and leave it how you want it? Like, how does that really affect our relationship? And, you know, like I would just kind of just have these open hands and just be this powerful mirror, not to condemn him, but just to say, Hey, look, there's a lot of really difficult evidence that's coming up right now. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I just need to know, like, how does this help our relationship? And yeah, right. And just to say, well, you know, and let's say, let's, let's say, let's continue to like drag out this worst case scenario where it's just like, well, you know, I just, I, you know, sorry, I just, ugh, like, I'm just, you know, who I am and, you know, I shouldn't have to change or whatever. Just say, okay, look, man, you know, um, I, I can't make your choices for you, right? You can't make my choices for me. And it sounds like, right, in this case, I would just have to get over my inertia of not wanting to have to move someplace else, but to say, hey, look, man, look, you know, 
I'll tough it out, right? I'll do, I'll still be a good roommate to you, right? Just understand that as soon as this lease is up, I'm just gonna have to look for something else. And that's okay. Like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm sad that I have to, it has to come to that, but you made your choice and I will make mine. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think um, like when you were saying about the going down swinging thing, because again, it's like, there are people that you're losing from your life in that other scenario where you're not talking that maybe would have been like, oh my God, even if you didn't expect it, maybe would have been like, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot that I did that. I will never do that again. That's disgusting. Like, I can't believe that. Cause there's definitely situations where you find out that you have hurt somebody in some way later. And you're like, wow, I did not mean it that way at all. I didn't even realize I did that or, you know, whatever it may be. And you're like, thank God you said something to me so I can apologize to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like with that scenario where you're saying, if you're going to have a falling out habit, mm-hmm. which, you know, is so true. It's like, we're hanging on to these relationships and it's mm-hmm. like, for what? Yeah. But what about if it is again, like a family member type example, yeah. like, yeah. do you like, is there like a keep the peace kind of scenario or do you always kind of go for the, let's just try to have the conversation and risk it hitting someone the wrong way. Obviously this is so nuanced and you don't know everyone's situation, but just wondering if there are certain things that if you were coaching somebody, you would be like, well, if it were this, I would say this or. Yeah. So let's, let's continue to give some concreteness to this thing where, yeah, let's say you, let's say, okay, let's say you have a, you're living with your brother, right? Like, and his habits don't line up with yours. And again, you just like, I don't like the fact that, you know, you can come into the bathroom whenever I'm doing something, but I'm not allowed to go into the bathroom whenever you're doing something. Like that's just, that's a double standard that I don't like. Um, you know, yeah, maybe if it's a little more permanent, right. And you just say, okay, you know, have a conversation, be willing to at least give one chance. Right. I think that's just civil to say, Hey, look, can we talk about how to best, you know, kind of make sure our rooming habits and tendencies don't like, conflict with each other like you tell me what your threshold for tolerance is i'll tell you mine you know can we come uh meet in the middle somewhere is there a compromise and if there isn't just say okay just have like contingency plan right to say okay i'm gonna have to start keeping more of my stuff in my room (laughs) you know i'm gonna because i'm the kind of guy that's more willing to adjust my tendencies and habits to work around someone else's habits if they're not willing right like i i remember i live with the roommate uh like it's just our morning routines just cut into each other because we had to share a bathroom. And like, if he got there before I did, oh, like it just, my whole morning would be shifted back a half hour, which wasn't good when I wanted to show up to work on time. But I knew that there was, it was like a two and a half bedroom, like townhouse. And so I just started going downstairs to the half bath because I knew I didn't, I didn't take morning showers, but he did. So I was just like, okay, let me just, let me just alter my routine to work around. But if you feel like you're in the right, you know, part of being secure is knowing that you did everything you could to like come to a middle ground, but if they still refuse to say, okay, you know what? I'm okay with where I am. And if they don't like my habits, so be it. Maybe it's their opportunity to adapt a little. And, you know, ideally you never want it to get to a point where things just get petty and people are just like leaving dirty dishes in the sink just because they're like, well, I dare you to change. But if you've honestly like tried to nip that in the bud by having expectations from the start, uh, maybe people would understand, hey, you know what, we disagree over, you know, who does dishes or what, but, 
you know, there's a level of respect there that, you know, maybe I am willing to say, hey, you know what, Nicole has been a good roommate. She's been gracious and helped kind of clean up after me. Maybe I take care of her the same way she's taking care of me. Um, and maybe that seed plants and, and grows. Maybe it doesn't, but it's okay because just because they who are they, they are, just because they who they are doesn't change who we have to be or who we know we can be, right? And that's just part of being the bigger person. Yeah, I love that. And I love exactly like you said, I think a lots of times when it comes to conflicts, mm -hmm. we are very focused on being right. And people need to understand my point of view. And I need to, you know, like maybe not, I mean, I like to someone who is a little more yeah. conflict, not so averse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I really feel like I want them to get my side kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But at some point you just know that everyone's got their side and they feel that way about their side. So you just kind of have to get to a point where you're like, I feel the way I feel and I'm comfortable in that. And, you know, like you explained better than I could just repeat right now, but okay. it is just the confidence in your own actions that are such an important piece of this whole thing. So I would love, I don't know if you have like a process or anything like that. Cause I'm sure some people listening to this are still like, I am terrified of conflict. I have multiple things that I need to address in my life, but I cannot even imagine getting started. Okay. Yeah, no, I happy to happy to give you a, the five step framework that I basically use for myself anytime I start to devolve back into my conflict averse habits, right? Uh, so the five steps uh, involve number one is to imagine what a successful conversation would sound like, right? So I'll give an example. So at one point, I was a church class director. My second day on the job, I found out that a newer guy in the class is sexually harassing women in the class. And they said, Jerry, like you're a director, you have to go handle it. I'm like, you didn't give me a manual, <laughs> you know, like just run toward the gunfire, Jerry, just handle it. You're the director. You got this. Okay. So of course this happens like the day before, like I go on vacation. So now I have to call this guy up and assume that he takes my call. Right. So we'll call him Nick. So I call up Nick. I'm like, Hey Nick. So, um, something's come up. Like apparently you're sexualizing women in the class. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. Right. So imagine success. What is success in this case? Well, it's not getting him to admit that he's wrong because I have no way of verifying that what actually happened, what they're saying has happened is, is actually happening because it's just an alleged accusation right now. Right. I have no evidence to say, well, nope, you know, too bad. So a successful conversation in this case is just to imagine, just to say, Hey, you know what, maybe it's just to get him to open up dialogue with the people who are accusing him, you know, to say, Hey, you know, convince him, Hey, it's in your best interest to, to engage the people that are saying this about you so that you can resolve what's going on right so that's that was the initial success i'm thinking through on my feet because i don't actually have this framework i'm just overlaying it on the situation right so number two is 10 seconds of courage right you're just like okay 10 seconds of courage i gotta pick up the phone just dial it or you know 10 seconds of courage let me send that email 10 seconds of courage let me send that text hey nick is now a good time to talk i gotta i gotta ask you about a situation okay so assuming that he did pick up and he did, right? So now I've imagined what success would sound like. I've initiated contact and got the ball rolling and locked the gate behind me. So I can't just be like, oh, well, it's maybe not that bad. No, it is bad. If like sexual harassment, like even alleged sexual harassment, no, you can't ignore it, right? So in this case, you're just like, no, I can't rationalize this away. And I don't want to give myself that chance. So let me go ahead and just set things in motion. Okay, we're on the phone. We're talking, I've thought about this. Step three, strip to critical moves. Some people may do this beforehand. Some people like to do it in the moment. And so these steps can, can be shuffled around depending on your comfort level. Script by critical moves. Okay, I got to address this situation. 
I can anticipate how he's going to push back. He's just going to deny it, right? So what is my next critical move? Oh, okay, let me go ahead and just lay out the situations for him, assuming a benefit of the doubt, right? I say, okay, Nick, one of three possibilities is, is, is true, right? I see three possibilities. Number one, you are innocent and they are not, right? Like, like you are right and they're wrong, which means this is probably some kind of misunderstanding. You go talk to them, clear it up, done, right? Best case scenario. Situation number two, they are right and you are wrong, which means you are lying to me. You need to apologize. You need to make sure whatever the behavior they're saying is inappropriate doesn't happen again. And we're going to keep a close eye on you, right? We don't want to cut you out entirely because we believe in that everyone needs community and we want to help you feel included and understand everybody needs to feel safe. And this is one thing that needs to be stopped immediately. Or step three, or, or, or no, sorry, option three, you insist you you maintain your innocence they maintain their right which now it becomes your word against theirs and i have to ask you to leave because i've known them long, longer than i've known you and he's like oh yeah i i should go talk to them it's and i just showed him right and so ideally step four would have been rehearsed your critical moves right before this you you know i would kind of say things out loud right i record myself on my phone practice like my body language in front of a mirror um Am I, is my posture up? Am I speaking in a calm and, uh, and, and deliberate tone? So I'm not rushing through my words. I'm not tripping over my own phrasing. And then step five, you got to do it just because you didn't prepare just to not engage, right? You didn't do all this research just to feel good about yourself and not actually improve the situation. So those are the five steps to say, hey, you know what? The cost of inaction is worse than the cost of trying and failing. You know what? I better, I better follow through. So those are the five steps I would give people uh, if they find themselves in a situation where they're just like, I know what I need to say and I'm just struggling to say it. Yeah. I think that's so helpful. And I wonder too, like, cause I almost feel like there is some groundwork before that, that I'm curious about, because when you think about it, like, let's say there's somebody who has literally never stood up to you in a million years. You have no idea they're feeling a certain way. And then all of a sudden they come out with this thing and you're like, this is so out of character for you. I like, don't even know how to process it. Mm. have kind of tips for people who feel like they're so far away from even being confrontational, like how to get their confidence up in general. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, the, one of the tips we like to, to share is if you can't find the courage, then use curiosity instead. Right. Cause now, now you're not like, I have to take this head on and I got to take the bull by the horns. Maybe you just shift to the side and say, Hey, well, you know what? I'm just trying to put some feelers out to, you know, understand the situation a little better, right? Um, for instance, uh, I at one point had to evict a roommate because he defaulted on his lease. And now I've got a guy squatting on my townhouse and he's not paying rent. He's not helping with living costs there, right? Maybe, oh, I don't want to have to evict this guy. Well, maybe let me just get to know the situation a little better. Hey, man, you know, you've been laid on rent twice now and it's kind of a problem, but, you know, maybe you tell me a little more about your situation, right? It doesn't change the fact that I ultimately have to do something about that, which is probably realistically I need to evict him because he's not paying, but at least I can have a little more empathy and I can have a greater understanding of, okay, what led to this, right? And so at least at the very least, let me shift to learning mode and say, hey, you know, I only know so much, right? Like Brene Brown says, like the story I'm telling myself is that, you're just being lazy and not pulling your weight and not really trying as hard as you can to make rent. But, oh, turns out, yeah, you know, you were 
unceremoniously fired from your job and you know uh you know your identity got stolen and now like any savings that you were going to rely on in order to cover your rent costs are no longer available okay you know maybe i give you or maybe we help you find a small a low interest loan or something like that right uh to help you get on your feet like now i can start to collaborate with and say hey man what kind of solutions can i help you find maybe there's some charities that would be willing to help you with your rent costs or things like that right um ultimately it was his responsibility to go out and get that charity money and not rely on me to help him pay his own rent <laughs> but and that's a whole nother discussion on enabling but uh in this case right now i'm not so afraid to engage the situation because i'm really just trying to understand what's really going on Right, until not and withhold my own judgment and my own assessment of the situation. Let me just see things through his eyes, right? When you develop a greater level of empathy and curiosity, um, you're able to draw things out that are more relevant and useful, ideally. And that's probably a good tip too for people, because you know, we've been talking a bit more about people who are scared and don't like confrontation, but then there's also people who are in the other direction and are extra confrontational and you know make people feel attacked and all of that so probably for people who are like oh i feel plenty comfortable fighting it just doesn't always go great <laughs> yeah but coming at it from that angle of like you know there is somebody on the other side of this what's actually going on with them and that curiosity mm -hmm. lens welcomes a conversation where everyone can be more open as opposed to everyone just automatically being backed into their own corner and and like lashing out yeah, yeah. And then now you're not afraid to just say something like, let's say someone, you know, brings up politics and you can just say, wow, you know, this, you sound like, you sound like you, you really feel like you feel strongly about this topic. Can you tell me about, you know, the reasons that this is so important to you? And all of a sudden, right, the dynamic changes because now uh, you're just learning. It's not like, oh, like this comes up again and like, Clearly, they're just insecure or something like that. Or they, you know, it's like, no, let me appreciate why they feel strongly about this. I may not like what I find, you know, but at the very least, you're just humbly learning. Hey, you know what? Politics is a big deal for you. You know, can help me appreciate why this is so important to you. You know, I may not. It may, it may motivate me to get more involved in politics. I don't know. But when you kind of shift to a, a lighter, more playful tone when it comes to, hey, you know what? I just, I just want to learn a little more from. You clearly know a lot about this maybe it'd be you know tell me what i'm missing right and you take this humility stance and then it's a lot easier to be around people and it's a lot they like being around you because careful don't let them you know don't let it hog the soapbox or anything that's a whole other nuance but at the same time it just makes it easier for the person to say you know what let me just learn a little bit more stretch myself and all of a sudden it's not it's not oh we're clashing again it's just more about hey you know what let me just appreciate what you have to say and it's just easier for you, it's easy for them. Not every time, but just in that moment, just give yourself a break. Yeah, and I also think sometimes people just wanna be heard and mm -hmm. they're almost like forcing it because they feel like no one's actually listening. So it may mm. actually reduce them talking about it in the future because they're kind of like, oh, someone actually, like I actually got to say what I've been trying to say. Yeah, you could be that person for them and yeah. be a blessing for not just yourself but everybody around them. <laughs> Exactly. So I guess in terms of language, we've kind of talked a bit about different ways you can like have compassion, empathy and stuff like that. Are there certain words in a conflict that you feel like make it go better versus words that like ignite 
the fire and make it not go so well. <laughs> oh, so many, so many wrong answers. Only a couple of right answers. <laughs> never, ever say you're wrong. Boom. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> you know, never, ever interrupt with you're wrong. Doesn't matter what you even interrupt with. As long as you interrupt, you're probably going to, it's probably going to go poorly for you. Right. Yeah. Don't say you're wrong. Don't say, you know, don't be, don't be condescending. Right. You can say a lot of things. Nice. But if it's in the condescending tone, like, huh, <laughs> that's cute. Right. Don't say that, please. Um, better phrases. Uh, I'll plug a, a non-commissioned podcast. I'll say it skillfully by a coach named Molly Chang. She's excellent about giving you sudden death situations and phrasing. But some of my favorites, uh, one is, I'm sorry things aren't better between us. I like that one a lot because you're acknowledging that something is broken. You're not taking more responsibility than you should, right? Because I, I've done, I've overcompensated for people before. I'm just like, well, maybe I just need to take more ownership of the situation. It's like, no, if they clearly uh, did something to hurt you, you don't have to say, well, maybe I provoked them. It's like, no, don't do that. that. That doesn't help. But if you say something like, hey, I'm sorry, things aren't better between us. Um, can you help me uh, understand what would make it better, right? Um, things like that and say, you know, how can I be the best, you know, employee or friend or boss for you, right? Because when it's less about the actual words, but it is about the tone of imposter humility, just to say, hey, look, I really just want to move things forward. Can we do that together? Um, maybe that's the phrase to use, right? But yeah, as long as you acknowledge, hey, you know what? Sometimes it is for the for the leader to say, apologize, even if it's not your fault. Say, hey, you know what, look, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I think just saying things are better between us, I think just acknowledges, hey, look, I really just want to make things better and I'm not here to point fingers. I just want this to you know, be more closer to the ideal that we both would enjoy more. Um, other phrases I like, yeah, help me understand, you know, tell me what I'm missing. Um, just to, just to that way, it gets them talking, which also helps. Uh, and, but also to listen uh, intently, right? Don't listen to respond, listen and really pick up on what they're saying. Because when you read their body language, when you start to hear their, their voice tone, um, like I've, I've diffused so many arguments because I just sat there, I didn't defend myself. I just listened and I listened until they were done. And the irony is that actually gives me more fodder and weapons so I can create a more craft, a craft, a better and more accurate and effective response to their complaint. So I shouldn't have said that on the record, but it really works, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but pro tip. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully phrases like that help out when just to say, hey, look, things aren't better between us. I'm sorry that somehow it, 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 you know, something something went wrong. Help me understand how to make things better. Tell me what I'm missing because I have my blind spots. I am one imperfect person talking to another imperfect person. We both have strengths. We both have weaknesses. You know, show me how we can mesh better. You know, and when other people have a say in the solution, there's a lot more buy-in, and that helps with compliance. And you know, uh, you know, and not not that we're trying to get them to conform, but just it helps with hey, you know what? We agreed on the solution. Let's both honor it. And that's a lot, it usually goes a lot more after that. Yes, those are great tips. And also a lot of it that you're saying too is like the tone, the body language. Now that we are in a world of emails and text messages where, you know, you can read it and it can feel very different than the person intended it. 
do you just kind of recommend for all conversations like this to really try and at least get on the phone, try to be in person, like kind of what are your tips in terms of that? Again, especially for somebody who is either a hothead who would have a harder time in the moment or terrified in the corner. That's like, I'd rather just shoot off a text message. <laughs> like what, like, what are your thoughts on that? And Oh yeah. And um, this is where I'll plant my flag or put my stake in the ground. Yeah. Don't do it over email or text. Like texting is only an email or just to initiate contact. Right. Because if you can't read someone's tone, if you can't read someone's body language, because the words, what could come across as straightforward, can come across, can be received as blunt on the other side, right? A lot of people don't like that. And, or, yeah, because even if your intent was, because we judge ourselves on our intentions, right? But people judge us by our actions, right? I mean, like, I'll give a, a, a you know, an example. I, I recently got out of a very serious relationship and, you know, we still talk by email. And there are some things in email that I was like, oh, wow. And I just was like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to give the benefit of the doubt. And, let me just say very simple things. And then she actually apologized. She's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that over email. It's like, it's okay. Uh, honesty is important. So if you're frustrated, it's okay. Let's hold off until we're able to meet in person to talk on the phone, or at least even Zoom is better than like an email or text because yeah, um, even worse is that sometimes you say something you don't want in writing and that gets also very dangerous. So another reason not to do this over text or email, because now people have cannon fodder that they may paste on social media and you can't take that back. So yeah, save it for in person or on the phone or over Zoom where you know uh, you have a greater chance of seeing the whole message. And also one that's not going to be used online later, <laughs> just for discretionary purposes. Yeah. And I guess the best way to, to be your best in that moment, like on the fly, because I know I sometimes I'm like, oh, a text or an email gives people a second to digest, formulate a response, say, you know, sometimes it can, but it all depends on the person, obviously. And again, they're reading it with their, so I a thousand percent agree with you. I just, that's in the past what my thought process was, mm -hmm. but yes, people interpret things however they want to read it. They're not hearing it from your voice, your, you know, intonation, all of that, your mannerisms, whatever, but probably going through that, like rehearsing step in your process, mm -hmm. where, well, yeah. really all the steps in your process, where if yeah. you walk in that you're like, you're confident of like the best case scenario you have, mm -hmm. like kind of run through it in your head of the way things can go. And mm -hmm. probably part of it too, is just the practice of, which maybe is why like work situations and stuff like that can help. Cause you're kind of practicing on mm -hmm less less personal things at least obviously mm -hmm. it's an issue of a paycheck and you, <laughs> that's <laughs> but I think for a lot of us it's yeah. easier to have a conflict at work and mm -hmm. it's way harder to, to do it in our personal lives yeah and I've seen I've seen it go both ways where you know people's personal leadership of their family and parenting, right? They, I, I hear from friends all the time, parenting is the ultimate test of leadership. If you can motivate your kids, well, like work, work relationships are a breeze compared to trying to get your kids <laughs> to do, clean their room, right? Um, one, one wrinkle to dovetail on what you said though, which I thought I learned, I learned at the start of the year that was really helpful though. If you're gonna initiate contact with text or email, talk about what you're gonna talk about mm -hmm. in that. Don't just be like, hey, can we talk? 
now people are like dying a thousand deaths over what you might bring up. Instead, <laughs> it's just to say, hey, can we talk about punctuality? Like now they're like, oh, like that's uncomfortable at least, but they're not dying a thousand deaths and being like, you know, all these other scenarios that just like, oh, I left the toilet seat up. They're going to get on that. It's like, no, it's okay. Just, this is what I want to talk about. Hey, you know, uh, I need to ask you about the way you, uh, you know, set your promises, right? It's like, I, you know, I need to discuss the vague promises that you give me, or I need to discuss the money that you've owed me for quite some time now and haven't paid up yet. Right. So now they're like, okay, let me just be very specific and targeted about what I'm going to talk about. So that way they, it gives them a courtesy too to say, okay, at least now I, I can prepare a little bit as to what we know we're going to do. I love that. Best yeah. of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. I love to ask people about their habits on the show. So mm-hmm. do you feel like there are any habits that have kind of helped you to cater this ability to kind of like create your boundaries and have good conflict resolution skills that are like daily things that you do? Uh, I mean, my part of my routine that I love is just journaling and meditation. I didn't actually buy into those until I, I went through my coach training program. Uh, but just the idea of even mind dumping on paper every morning, this is why I'm frustrated or this is what's on my mind. And just to get that out there. So it's not rolling around in your head, I think also lends to just to vent this like quietly venting your own frustration um, with that one of the better tips i heard though for people who specifically want closure without maybe getting the closure that they want uh, there's a great book called the charisma myth by olivia fox cabane and she talks about a specific exercise which is write out don't just write out the letter to the person you want to address all these things to write out the response that you want to hear from them and like your mind can't tell whether or not like this is the actual real source when you feel like you're hearing, I'm sorry from the person that, you know, the bad roommate that I have for so many years. Like, I'm sorry for all the times I peed in the toilet. I'm sorry for all the dirty dishes left in the sink, right? My mind's just like, oh, what do you know? I got an apology. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Uh, sometimes you need to write that letter a couple of times. It's okay, right? Sometimes that pain is really seared into our brains and it's okay. Uh, and I think those are some of the like, practices. Uh, I don't do those on a regular basis, but for the times that I feel like something is really on my mind, if I'm journaling and look back and say, wow, you know, this, this relationship is really toxic and I need to get some closure. Okay. Let me write out an imaginary letter so that I I'm not distracting myself with resentment. I love that tip. I love the writing the letter back because I, Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like, and I obviously probably the letter you're writing to them is also forgiving them. Yeah. (laughs) In some sense, it could feel like you're like furthering the fight a little bit. That shouldn't be the intention of the letter, but if it's sort of like them writing back and it going well, imaginarily is like a really nice way of, of tying the bow on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is, it can be, you're like, on one hand, it's toxic to bring this, to keep thinking about this relationship. And at the same time, if you're able to end a lender with, I forgive you, even if you don't feel like you need forgiveness. Wow, man, like I, I love that line. Like it took me a while to get to that line to say, okay, you know what? Like you may not feel like you need forgiveness and I will forgive you anyway. And that's guys, that, this is just one humble beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. Like I, I fight, I have to fight this battle all the time. I mean, I, I'm getting so much out of this. Like <laughs> this is like one of my favorite interviews easily. Like I feel like Wonderful. there's, so many people can take so much away from this. That is, again, it's something that is most of the time when we talk about it with people in our lives, they're just as bad at it as we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. really hard to know. And everyone's validating everyone else's opinions. And I think the beauty of 
this conversation is that everybody's got their own story and their own way that would be like the best way to approach them or the best mm -hmm. language for them or whatever it may be. Like how I was saying, like, I thought a text message would be easy, but like you, the way you're doing it is like the meat in the middle, like everyone can land on these commonalities. And we're just like trying to get on the same page as opposed to looking at it from like, well, this is what I would want. So like, isn't this what everyone would want? Mm. that's probably why we're in this situation in the first place because we're very different people yeah yeah it's easy to project you're just like it makes sense to me why wouldn't they understand what i what i want what i want is good for me and for them like why aren't they on board with this and it's like uh you know it's hard to read people's minds people think they have a skill and it's not guys like i haven't met a good mind reader yet and if they are run <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one should be reading this yeah no <laughs> Oh, well, I could chat about this forever. And I would love maybe someday to do like a Q&A episode and have people like send yeah. in specific um, things they're going through because this has yeah. been so great. But Good. there is a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, which yeah. is what is a toxic thing that you've released in your life that's had a major impact? Yeah, the toxic thing, man. Um, late night smartphone habits <laughs> because honestly like i'll give it the, the specific example i'm thinking of because before i would just set like the timer on my phone to be like oh you know 11 15 is bedtime that didn't work uh because what i would do is i would still i would be like oh that's the chime and then i would still do and i would think oh i can still do duolingo right now i can just knock out 15 minutes and the next thing i know it's like one o'clock and it's like oh so once i set my phone to basically kind of shut down the apps like by like 9 30. Uh, it's just enough of a deterrent to be like okay i don't i don't want to override this i need to go to bed and so yeah late night just like youtubing and things i think that's one of the toxic things i've thankfully released myself from and don't get me wrong there's a couple of times when i may make an exception or treat myself if i know i'm not doing anything serious the next day but for most work days, yeah, if I expect to be focused and productive, because as a pharmacist, you don't want to be sleeping and make an error because that could cost, you know, someone. So, yeah, I think that's the thing that's been toxic that I've thankfully finally kind of tricked myself into uh, keeping from doing that habit and letting that spill over in, into destructive consequences. That's a great one. And I love that you said, we talk a lot on this show about, you know, not everything, it's not all or nothing. Like you're not mm -hmm. going to be perfect about it all the time, but you're feeling mm -hmm. the impact of most of the time, not doing yeah. it. Great. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I would love, you know, for you to just kind of share how people can connect with you, work with you, follow you, all of that. Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is the one social media platform I'm on, but the best place to connect and get all the goodies is my website, which is www.adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide. If you want to download the PDF of the five-step framework that we talked about in this episode, you can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute call, tell me what you're working on, tell me what you want help working on, or check out the free blog where I highlight you know, fun podcasts and you know give other coaching tips and give uh, summaries of useful and interesting leadership literature. So that's all available at your disposal at the adaptingleaders.com website. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. Good. Until next time. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And definitely, if you have any questions for Jerry that you would like him to answer, be sure to shoot me them on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. I would absolutely love to bring him on for a Q&A episode because I think 
we can obviously take these takeaways, which I'm about to sum up, and use them in our real lives, but it could obviously be so helpful to have them actually kind of help us to workshop them on the podcast. So again, would love to hear from you guys about that. So now for the takeaways. Number one, be proactive with sharing your expectations so people have the ability to meet them rather than just writing people off when they don't. Number two, it's often worth having at least one conversation to try improve rela- to try to improve relationships, whether it's because it's someone who's going to be a part of your life and it's important that your relationship improves, or if it's just going to end up being a falling out, you may as well go down swinging. Number three, rather than drawing a strict boundary, open a conversation about your expectations and allow the other person to as well. Ask for their thoughts and collaborate on how to meet in the middle. Number four, the five-step framework. Number one, imagine what a successful conversation looks like. Two, 10 seconds of courage to initiate contact and get the ball rolling. Three, script your critical moves. Four, rehearse your critical moves. And five, actually do it. (laughs) And then five for the takeaways is, when you lack courage, focus on curiosity. This allows for compassion and empathy and is helpful when you're working towards a resolution. Number six, some great ways to initiate a conversation are, I'm sorry things aren't better between us. Can you help me understand what would make it better? What am I missing? These things can help to put the other person at ease and create more of a productive conversation. Number seven, don't interrupt people or tell them they're wrong and don't be condescending or aggressive. Allow them to speak and really listen to understand rather than respond. You don't want them to feel attacked or backed into a corner. Number eight, always have the conversation in person, on the phone, or even Zoom because body language is really important. Use a text or an email to initiate contact and let the person know what will be discussed so that they can prepare. And number nine, when you lack closure with someone, write them a letter forgiving them, but also write a response in which you receive the acknowledgement or apology that you need to have closure on your end. So again, I hope you guys got so much out of this. The information about working with Jerry is all in the show notes. And if you are enjoying the podcast, I would absolutely love to hear from you. And I would love if you would share this episode with a friend that you think could benefit or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Literally, you can just scroll down to the bottom when you're on the the page where the show is and just hit the five stars. Hopefully you would give it five stars. (laughs) It takes two seconds and it really is just so, so helpful for the show. Again, I so appreciate you being here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.